Male stripper, step five. What do they have in common? Getting naked. We're talking literally and figuratively. Welcome again to another episode of the 1% in Recovery podcast, where we encourage you to laugh every day. (laughs) Work hard. Work in your relationships and work in your business or if you're working for a company, and to love unconditionally. Just love, love, love. Remember, recovery is beautiful. Your EQ is your IQ. And you cannot, cannot outthink an emotional issue. Now out, the Recovery Growth Scorecard. It is free. Using metrics to advance and to get started in recovery, in the healing. Go to www.lifeiswonderful.love, L-O-V-E, and download and get your recovery growth scorecard or email me, Hugo V, at lifeiswonderful.love. The scorecard using natural hormones, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphins to get that healing, to get that recovery going, to take those first steps. (laughs) Now, let's jump into this week's episode of the 1% in Recovery podcast. Male stripping, male stripper. Yes, yours truly, Hugo V, was a male stripper. Only for one day. But you see, I thought that this was another one of my good plans. I was in my late 20s, 28. And I thought, what's another way to generate money? Besides the business that I was working in and that I owned, I was also going to gamble. I was also going to make money stripping, do these side hustles, get all this extra cash. Who doesn't like cash? And also meet women and have a lot more sex. A lot of things come down to money and sex. It wasn't a well thought out plan, but it made sense at that time. I did have a girlfriend and I told her what I was going to do. And what she said is, is that is so embarrassing. Don't do it. I said, I'm going to do it. She said, don't do it. I said, I'm going to do it. So I knew she wasn't going to be supported. So the night I did Amateur Night, which was here at LaBear here in Houston, Texas, at their old location, I said, I want somebody in the audience that's going to be there for me. So I called up a woman that I had gone out with, that we were still friendly. And I said, hey, I'm going to go do Amateur Night at LaBear. I would love, like, for you to come support me. She said, sure. So she actually jumped in a car and went over to LaBear that night. So before I went over to LaBear, I slammed about three beers in my apartment. And then I drove over knowing a couple of the rules, knowing to show up between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. They were going to go over certain rules, knowing what type of underwear you had to wear. You had to wear something that was solid in the front, whether it was bikini shorts 
or some other type of shorts. He couldn't have an open flap because he couldn't have any accidents. Like your one-eyed monster was going to have a peekaboo and jump out. <laughs> so I had some red bikini shorts that were solid in the front. That's what I was going to wear. I knew it was a two-dance contest. And if you actually won the contest, you'd be invited to come back on a Friday or Saturday night and make your debut. The first dance was going to be fully clothed. I had a long sleeve purple shirt, black jeans, and some ropers. Ropers were very popular in the 80s and 90s. They were these half boots that went up like halfway up your calf. So you're going to dance the second song in whatever type of underwear you had and some type of ropers. Now, if we go into step five, it's the same thing. You kind of start off talking about who you are, your background, what kind of brought you there. It's almost like doing the beginning of step five. And I did a step five with a therapist as well as in two different programs, in gambling and in alcohol. And I also later on, years later, did it in, some, in a confession with a Catholic priest. I grew up Catholic. So I did it in the medical community. I did it in the 12-step fellowships, two different ones. And I also did it within a religion. So I had all these different types of support. And I always think it's very important, whether you're going to take off your clothes on stage or you're going to totally reveal your soul and get naked. You see, we all are very beautiful, whether it's our bodies. We have beautiful things about it. We have things that we consider ugly. But you see those imperfections, whether it's something about our teeth, our nose, our ears, something about birthmarks, something about us that we may consider ugly. Same thing of things that have happened in our past that we feel shame, guilty, or that we're embarrassed about, or some type of secret. That's actually what gives us character. Things of why you ended up in jail, why you ended up at this part of town late at night, why you committed a crime, why you were doing this with this person. And so you have to be able to get naked to truly, truly love yourself, be comfortable in your own skin, to gain that confidence because nothing is more sexy than a person that is confident in terms of their past and what's going to happen in the future. You see, a lot of, re a lot of times people don't want to reveal themselves. They're almost like a criminal defense lawyer. They're doing what there is a legal term called esculpate, which means that you are trying to show that a person is not guilty of any wrongdoing. But deep down inside, we know when we've done some type of thing, something wrong, where we've caused pain with ourselves, with others. And the only way to truly to move forward is to get rid of it. So going back to male stripping, they said, pick two songs that you want to dance to. I picked two songs. <laughs> 
DJ said he never heard of those songs or he did not have those songs in his record library. So you know what I said? Just pick two different songs and I'll just dance and get going with any types of beats you had, whether they were kind of more of a Latin beat, upbeat, dance beat. That was cool. And they also said you need to come up with a stage name. Now, for a lot of the males out there in the listening world of the 1% in Recovery podcast, they know if they meet a female stripper, they'll always tell you their name. It's never their real name. It's just their stage name. So I had to come up with a stage name. Knowing that my family was from South America and something that's very unique, I said, my stage name is going to be Amazon Hugo. <laughs> that's how I was going to come out, be introduced to the public. It wasn't a big audience. So they introduced me as Amazon Hugo. I went out there, danced the first song, fully clothed, did some of my moves. Probably in my head was a better dancer than what I showed on stage because it's a little different like when you're dancing solo in front of your mirror. You may think you're really cool and that you may be dancing like Barishnikov or Michael Jackson, but you're really a little bit stiff. Now, the one thing I didn't know is I danced for my second song after I took off my clothes. I worked out a lot. I had a really good body, but I really didn't think things through. I'm white. Even though I have some olive DNA, I'm not white, white, but I am white. And it was towards the end of summer when I did this, like late August here in Houston. But I hadn't been outside much in the sun. So I didn't have a bronze, tan body that would have been much more appealing to look at. So when you're in a dark nightclub with those lights shining down upon you, you tend to be looking a lot more whiter, a lot more pastier. And here's what happened. And this is how I knew that I wasn't going to have a career or a side business as a male stripper. I made zero dollars. <laughs> yes, zero dollars. My friend who came out there, she should not even come up to the stage and give me a dollar. I had asked her, why didn't you come up stage? And she says, well, I felt kind of embarrassed. I said, I'm out here pretty much naked dancing and you couldn't even give me $1 or $2 on each side, maybe to encourage another woman to give me another dollar, make me actually feel that I've earned something for my effort. <laughs> so my whole goal of making money and having more sex ended up zero in the dollar column, zero in the sex column. And after that night, I realized, you know what? It's one of those ideas that didn't work. But I was able to get on stage, and I'm glad I did, because it was always in the back of my mind thinking that I could do it. And unless you do something, you don't quite know if it could be successful or not. So I took a swing, I missed, but I totally embraced and I understood what was beautiful about my body, what was considered ugly or not as attractive and just embraced it and figured out, okay, how can I make it better? It's the same thing with step five. You want to get 
naked. You want to bear your soul so it never has any more toxicity in your body. The whole idea of doing step fives, of going to therapy, of doing work with your sponsor, doing work with a recovery coach, doing work with a priest, a pastor, a rabbi, a imam. To get this out, you have to talk to people. You cannot keep this inside. You will never, never grow if you don't ask for help. If you don't bear your soul because your body does keep score. There's a book out with that same exact title, The Body Keeps Score. It's probably the next book that I'm going to read. I'm finishing up two books right now. But I do believe and I do know if you have any types of emotional trauma, emotional issues, emotional blocks in your body, time does not heal. You have to get it out. You have to process it so you can totally have freedom. It's not about freedom from your past. It truly is about having freedom in your future. Because what's happened in your past has already happened. You want to be able to make sense of it. And you have to, number one, yes, people say we got to forgive others. But in reality, we have to forgive ourselves for either what we've done or how things have happened. Because a lot of people, even as children, when things happen to us as children, we take on this burden that's not necessary, that we have to forgive ourselves. And that is the healthy part. And that's what holds people back. Even if you get in further along in the step work, in the step eight or nine, people really have trouble forgiving themselves. Things happen for whatever reason. You have to understand all the different emotions, the anger, the sadness, the hurt, the frustration, the irritability, the rage. Get in touch with that. Work through it, especially if you were the victim. But also if you also participated in some way and had some type of part. And that is why it's so important to talk to different people to get different points of view. Because once you get that ball rolling, you have total freedom. And like you've noticed, whether it's on my YouTube channel, whether I talk about it in certain other videos or blogs, it no long, none of the stuff that's happened to me has any type of hold on me. Because everybody knows what had happened. Good stuff, bad stuff, stuff that feels like an accomplishment, stuff that feels like, oh, you regret that. That's the other reason why I encourage people to call me. Free 15-minute call on recovery coaching to work through, whether it's about a step, whether it's about recovery, whether it's about healing, whether it's about relationships where you feel like you're being held back and not being seen. And if you are seen, then you will have much more better communication. You will be able to make more money. You will have more sex. A lot of the things that we struggle with. And that's what I want people to do, to move forward, to grow. So get naked, figuratively, literally move forward.
whether you undress in front of a mirror as you jump into the shower, whether you're there with your lover and your partner, or whether you're there on some type of chair, couch, and you're having these conversations, because that is how you're truly going to (laughs) grow and live that freedom and live your best life. And with that, we're going to conclude this episode of the 1% in recovery.